Hello, and welcome to Freshly Squeezed True Crime. I'm Renee. And I'm Suhaley. We are true crime comedy podcast focusing on crimes that happened in Florida. Not everyone agrees that the topics of true crime and comedy should go together. And our sense of humor is definitely not for everyone. While we tell stories of true crime, it is never our intention to make fun of victims or the horrendous things that have happened. Instead, we laugh at the rest, the criminals, the investigations that go sideways, and really anything else that we say to each other that makes us stop and laugh. Our humor is our defense mechanism. And we use that humor to get us through the dark shit that happens in this world. So, if we haven't scared you away yet, join us as we continue to try. Hi, Sue Haley. Hey, Renee. You ready to squeeze the juice? Absolutely. So, Christine Falling was born Christine Laverne Slaughter. Slaughter! (laughs) Is this true crime murder? Is there murder? I know spoiler, but come on. (laughs) That's all you need. Episode over. (laughs) On March 12th, 1963, in my favorite, Perry, Florida. That's not your favorite. No, it's not. (laughs) Her mother, Anne was only 16 at the time of Christine's birth and had already given birth to an older sister named Carol. Her father, Thomas, was a 65-year-old woodsman who was inattentive and violent by nature. I thought you were going to say woodsman in a tent. You said inattentive. I thought you were going woodsman in a tent. I'm like... So that's the part you... I already get where this chick's coming from. So you were going to question me on that, not the fact that... Christine's mother was 16 and her daddy was 65? I was going to. Okay. But then I got stuck on what I thought you were about to say and it was funnier. (laughs) Oh, okay. My bad. Sorry. Were they really that far apart in age? Yes. You're welcome. Okay. (laughs) Dork. (laughs) Falling's early childhood years were marked by persistent poverty and illness. She was severely developmentally disabled, prone to obesity, epileptic, experienced bouts of aggressive behavior, and throughout her life was never able to surpass sixth grade vocabulary skills. One search described her as, not my words, dull-witted. Another said she was unattractive with an odd, vacant look in her eyes. Is this one that you showed me the picture the other night? Yes, ma'am. Oh, boy. Yes. That's, yes, the vacant look in her eyes. Her mother, Anne, would often leave for months at a time. When Anne would return home, it seemed to her young daughters that she always came back pregnant. What, 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 they would just leave her in the tent with dad? It's a tent now in my head, They're by the not way. in a tent. I know, but in my head it's a tent. For okay, the rest well, of this episode, they live in a tent. Okay, do that then. Okay. All so f- wait, she, she stayed home changing daddy's diapers? Like, what happened? I don't, she would just leave the two girls, Carol uh-huh. and Christine, and then she would miraculously come back preggers. Yes. That's a lifestyle choice. Over the... Do you think so? Mm-hmm. Over the following two years after Christine was born, Anne had two more children, Michael and Earl. By the way, I had to overpronunciate Earl because of my accent. What, what? Can... I've told you, this is our podcast and you need to be you. Earl. Of That's all the... T- overpronunciate... Pronunciated. <laughs> of all the children... Thomas claimed only Earl as his biological child. So no Carol, no Christine, and no Michael. Okay. Just Earl. Just the youngest one. Yeah. Okay. I like him, I like him the most. During... Is that what tent men sound like? Yes. Okay. 
Since, especially since I said he was a woodsman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so during Anne's absence, Thomas cared for the children by bringing them out to the woods where he worked. No, they were not in a tent. I wasn't going to say it. I but, was going to not interrupt you for once. But when he was in a work-related accident, Anne was forced to rejoin the family. After that, the children were often shuffled around to family members until, according to Carol, Anne completely abandoned them, leaving them on a bench at a Perry shopping center. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she said, I'm, I'm not about this life she anymore. She just, you know what? I've gotten frustrated on shopping ki- trips with my kids. Like, but I'm pretty sure you didn't leave them at, at the Perry shopping center on a bench. You've been to the Perry shopping center. Yes, Is I it have. Is that bad? I don't want to talk about that experience. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Due to extreme poverty, Christine and her older sister were adopted by Dolly and Jesse Falling, family who were unable to have children of their own. But both Carol and Christine became rebellious and unruly as they got older and found themselves in constant conflict with their adopted family and were eventually placed in a children's home near Orlando, Florida, when Christine was only nine years old after a church pastor interceded. According to author Madeline Blaze in her book, The Heart is an Instrument, the girls were also subjected to physical and sexual abuse by Jesse Falling, something the Fallings both have denied. By the time she entered Great Oaks Village, Falling already had a striking propensity for bizarre and violent behavior. The group foster home was designed to help neglected and abused children. Christine later commented on how much she enjoyed her time there, although according to social workers, Christine was a thief, a compulsive liar, and would often get in trouble just for the attention that it brought about. You know, they do say that compulsive lying does go hand in hand with abuse. And the next thing that I'm going to mention, um, trigger warning. One of her favorite pastimes was torturing and killing cats to determine whether they really had nine lives. Uh, yeah. Did she also get any head injuries or wet the bed? No. Okay. Not that I've read in anything that I've read. Is it wet the bed? What, it, you know those? Yeah. It, the three? Yeah, what's the three? It's the animal, uh-huh. the head concussions, uh-huh. and wetting the bed. It is wetting the bed. Okay. Okay. Her relationship with other children in the refuge were horrific. Falling's obesity, poor social skills, and intellectual deficits were a constant source of cruel commentary from her peers. After a year at the refuge, the girls were returned to the Fallings. This time, there was no sexual abuse, but the physical abuse continued. The final episode happened in October 1975 when Jesse allegedly subjected Christine to a severe beating for being 10 minutes late. He also insisted that she wear shorts to school the following day so everyone could see the justice marks. The following day, the girls ran away. Oh my God. At the age of 12, after six weeks of living with Carol's friends, Christine decided to locate her mother, eventually finding her in Bloodsman, Florida. In September 1977, at the age of 14, Christine met and married Cooper Falling. (laughs) I'm going to give you a minute on that one. Can we just call him Goop for the rest of the episode? Well, if you watch Spongebob like I have, he's a goofy goober. I, I don't watch Spongebob. Okay, but I'm I did. against that show. <laughs> Christine met and married Goober Falling, who was a decade older than she, oh. and reportedly her stepbrother. No, 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 no. Yes, yes, yes. Within six weeks of the marriage... The relationship collapsed in a chaotic series of violent encounters and the couple permanently separated. Christine once threw a 25-pound stereo at her husband. The fuck? (laughs) During one of their fights. 
She's strong. That's heavy. Yes, it is. Wow. The failure of this relationship triggered a new era of bizarre behaviors for her. Over the next two years, she visited a local hospital more than 50 times with an endless series of strange medical conditions that could never be diagnosed. This hypochondriac phase included hallucinations of red spots, vaginal bleeding, and a snake bite. Although Christine was thoroughly examined by physicians, she would present herself with inexplicable and rapidly changing symptoms that always resulted in her being sent home without treatment or medication. So for those who don't know, hypochondria is not called an illness anxiety disorder, which is a chronic mental illness. People with this disorder have persistent fears that they have a serious or life-threatening illness despite few or no symptoms. Medications, cognitive behavior therapy, or CBT, can help. Being preoccupied with having or getting a disease or health condition, worrying that minor symptoms or body sensations means you have a serious illness, being easily alarmed about your health status, finding little or no reassurance from a doctor's visit or negative test results, patients with hypochondria often are not aware that depression and anxiety produce their own physical symptoms and mistake these symptoms for manifestations of another mental or physical disorder or disease. Mm -hmm. So now in her mid-teens, she began earning money for by babysitting for neighbors and friends in her mother's hometown. Despite her unsavory appearance, can I mention how many times her appearance was mentioned in every single thing? I don't know why, because at this age, she's not... She's in her mid-teens. Yeah. So it's like, I guess she bypassed the cutesy-wootsy kid phase, and now she's an ugly... It's just, it, every article just talks about her appearance, and it just... Pissed me off to so many levels. Yeah. So despite her unsavory appearance and obvious mental mental difficulties, she somehow gained a reputation as a young woman who deeply cared for children because apparently one goes hand in hand with the other. Actually, it does. And was reasonably reliable in her habits. However, at the age of 17, Falling began to covertly attack and murder the children who had been placed in her care. Sir. No. Yes. That's why we're here. Duh. I mean, there's many different forms of crime. We didn't have to do murder. But here we are. Mm -hmm. On February 25th, 1980, Cassidy Johnson, a two-year-old girl who had been in Falling's care, was rushed to a local hospital. Some sources also state Tallahassee Hospital, suffering from life-threatening symptoms that were assumed to be caused by infantilis, a brain inflammation. However, when the child died three days later, an autopsy was ordered. The examination disclosed that Johnson had actually succumbed to blunt force trauma of the skull. Mm. The results of the autopsy spawned in an immediate investigation and falling was quickly interviewed by police. She claimed that the child had toppled from her crib and fallen unconscious to the floor when falling was out of the room. However, law enforcement personnel did not believe her story. One physician didn't believe falling story and wrote a note to police to have a baby to have the babysitter checked out. The note was lost, and unfortunately, there was no evidence to contradict falling's version of what had happened to the child, and the matter was never pursued and the case was closed. 
another one of these. Yeah. Okay. After the death of Cassidy Johnson, Falling moved to Lakeland, Florida and began babysitting to support herself again. Within a few months of her arrival in Lakeland, a four-year-old boy who was in Falling's care suddenly stopped breathing without any prior signs of illness. In May 1980, a 911 call was placed. The caller told the operator that the child in her care had stopped breathing suddenly. Paramedics were rushed to the house, but even with all their efforts, they were unable to save the child. The death of Jeffrey Davis was as, as suspicious as that of Cassidy Johnson, and an autopsy was again ordered. The examination disclosed that the boy had suffered from a condition that caused chronic heart inflammation. However, this was deemed insufficient to be the cause of his death. The medical examiner noted no other potential cause of death, and the case was closed. Three days after the tragedy, the bereaved aunt and uncle of Jeffrey Davis asked Falling to babysit their two-year-old son, no. Joseph Spring, while they attended Davis's funeral. No, no, no. While his parents were at the services, Joseph inexplicably died while taking a nap. The local physician speculated that the young boy may have succumbed to a viral infection and that the same mysterious illness may have been accounted for the death of Jeffrey Davis. No investigation into the deaths of the two young boys were ever undertaken, and once again, Falling left the area, this time moving back to Perry, Florida. Wow. In July 1981, she left the baby care world and took a job as a housekeeper for a man living on his own. As few families wanted to entrust their children to her care, she began working as a nursing assistant slash housekeeper for seniors. She found a job as a housekeeper to a 77-year-old invalid by the name of Wilbur Swindle. That's... I love that name. It's, it's, a, it's not the, a bad name. Every name in this episode is precious. But do you trust a man whose last name is Swindle? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Remember Christine's first name? Her last name was... You know. Slaughter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On the first day of Falling's new job, Swindle inexplicably was found collapsed and unresponsive in his kitchen floor, allegedly due to a heart attack. He was rushed to the hospital where he was pronounced dead. Because of his age and poor medical condition, local authorities did not investigate the elderly man's death and no autopsy was ordered. She later confessed to squeezing the life of Swindle. In the fall of the same year, Christine accompanied her stepsister and eight-month-old niece, Jennifer Daniels, to the doctor's office, where the child had received some standard childhood vaccinations and on the way home stopped to purchase diapers. Daniel's mother left the baby in the car with Falling to make the short stop at the local supermarket. However, when she returned, Daniel found her baby dead and Christine Falling in a panic. According to Falling, the girl had mysteriously stopped breathing. Jennifer was pronounced dead at the emergency room. Her death was initially thought to be a reaction to her vaccinations, but then it was later determined to be of natural causes or sudden infant death syndrome and no investigation ensued. She can't even wait a second once being alone with somebody. Nope. Like, she's like, I'm alone, I must murder. Yes, and she's also a Teflon Don because nothing sticks to her. Christine was found to be a victim of circumstance. Wherever she went, death would follow. Did you read my I didn't. Script? I didn't. I thought the I same like thing. That people <laughs> you don't like me? I don't like you. The rest of this podcast thing is going to be hard for us. <laughs> <laughs> Put up a wall. <laughs> Don't want to see your face. <laughs> a year later, on July 2nd, 1982, a 10-week-old infant, Travis Coleman, also stopped breathing while in Falling's care in Blonsman. 
Coleman's parents cooperated with an autopsy request, and it was discovered that the infant had internal ruptures caused by suffocation. Christine was taken into custody and entered a psychiatric hospital for assessment on July 22, 1982, so 20 days after his death, for the killings of Travis Coleman and Cassie Johnson. While there, she was immediately questioned by local law enforcement officials about the Coleman death and confessed to murdering three children by what she described as smotheration. First of all, it's a funny word, but so she confessed. No, she did. So part of me is like really excited that it's done and she got caught, but I just don't believe it's going to be that easy. No. Okay. I just wanted to quote smotheration. smotheration. Yeah. You can start using that word from now on. We can start. Okay. Yeah. She claimed that she had heard disembodied voices chanting kill the baby by placing a blanket over their faces. She denied any knowledge of the others. It was decided that it was not going to be easy to prove that the other deaths were her fault. And so she was only charged with the deaths of Cassidy Johnson, Jennifer Daniels, and Travis Coleman. On September 17, 1982, Christine Falling pled guilty to murdering three children. In December 1982, so three months later, based on her confession, Christine Falling received a sentence of life imprisonment with the possibility of parole after 25 years. Mm -hmm. After a few years in prison, she admitted to the murder of Swindle. In speaking to law enforcement officials, Falling was never able to provide a motive for her heinous crimes, only saying, and I quote, I don't know why I done what I done, the way I done it. I seen it on TV shows. I had my own way though, simple and easy. No one would ever hear them scream. Oh my God. During a recorded confession, Christine recalled the following. Cassidy Johnson was smothered because she had gotten kind of rowdy or something. Jeffrey Davis made me mad or something. I was already mad that morning. I just took it out on him and just started choking him until he was dead. Joe Boy was napping. I don't know. I just got the urge and I wanted to kill him. Jennifer Daniels died because she was continually crying and crying and crying and it made me so mad. I just put my hands around her neck and choked her till she shut up. Coleman's final moments, she said, I choked him, no apparent reason. I just picked him up off his crib and choked him to death and laid him back down. She also said, I killed them. That's all I got to say. I don't know why. Even though her motives have not been satisfactorily explained and she was known to have suffered from mental illness, Falling was not classified as legally insane. After serving 25 years in prison, Christine was eligible for parole. Her application for parole was rejected by a parole board in November 2017, and no one supporting her attended her parole hearing. During the parole hearing, prosecutors told the review panel that the so-called babysitter from hell deserved no mercy. She will be given another hearing in seven years, 2024. So next year. Okay. Christine Falling is 59 years old and in prison at the Lowell Correctional Institution in Ocala, Florida. Her presumptive release date is set for 2254, or as one article stated, long after she dies. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be released long after she dies. We're going to keep the body We're going to hold while. her here until 2254. <laughs> We're going to ice her the way we did Walt Disney. <laughs> She's going to say somebody better order a lot of ice. <laughs> Damn. So she's up for parole again next year. Yes. 
But I mean that there's just no way. And she's only 59. Because I mean, if you remember, a way. look at my first episode. Where... I know, but that's what I'm saying. She's only 59. So when I'm talking about a woman who's 79 or 89 years old, right? You know what I mean? She still has at least another 30 years ahead of her. So releasing her, and she, I mean, I wonder if there's been like any rehabilitation just in case she gets released. Like, how does we, rehab work? In, see, in here's jail, the thing, though. Prison? So, number one, she already had mental health issues, right? She was epileptic. Right. So I'm pretty sure at some point she had a seizure and bashed her head somewhere. You know that happened somewhere. That's a good point. So that's two right there of the animals and the hate. What is that called again? The Meyer? No, there's a name for it. It, There is a name for it. The McDonald Triad. All right. So my thing is, is if you look at it, she look at the reasons why she was killing them. The kids got rowdy. This one, she said, I was already mad this morning. Um, this one said, um, I don't know. I just had the urge and wanted to kill him. This one was because, um, Jennifer was crying, crying and crying. I mean, they, the kids aren't even giving her a reason and she was killing them. So can you imagine? So it's one of those things of, I mean, with 30 years ahead of you possibly to live, we can't release this lady to anything, anywhere. No. No. She's a fucking detriment. And that's only three counts of first degree murder because they couldn't get her on the other stuff. I just want to say, because we had it wrong, the McDonald triad Mm -hmm. is the three factors that predict um, or associated with violent tendencies for um, psychopaths or sociopaths, according to this. But anyway, it's cruelty to animals bedwetting and arson it it doesn't even mention the um concussions thank you for joining us and drinking the juice still thirsty need more freshly squeezed here's how you can help visit our website to see show notes resource links and more subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star rating and review follow us on social media we're fstc pod on instagram and tiktok and we're fs true crime on twitter we'll see you next time and may the juice be with you